Dear friends, we are in the midst of a crisis. The whole world is gripped by the the coronavirus, the COVID-19 crisis. Here in New York, it has become the epicenter. This vast city, so busy at, at usual times, is now silent and quiet. And in the hospitals, medical centers, doctors, nurses, other medical workers are fighting desperately to save the lives of thousands of people. Tens of thousands have been infected. The authorities are doing their best to control it. At this time, what spiritual practices are going to help us? This is what I would like to speak about today. Can spiritual practices help us at this time? Of course they can. In fact, these are the times that spirituality is meant for. Let us not forget that the Bhagavad Gita was taught to Arjuna not in a Vedanta society or in a mountain top in an ashram. It was in the midst of a great crisis in the battlefield where a terrible civil war was imminent. In the midst of that, Krishna taught the highest philosophy, the highest devotion to Arjuna. So certainly spirituality is helpful for us, is of great, great help and relevance at this time. I hear the voices of so many people, uh, how there is suffering. Of course, in the hospitals, there is the direct combat with death. Those who are infected are fighting for their lives and the doctors and nurses are trying to help them day and night. But also across society, there is fear and depression and anxiety. So many people, they're saying how they have lost their jobs. We are all now forced to um, socially distance ourselves from each other and stay at home. People are saying that how it's difficult to cope with huge changes in their daily routine. Unwanted changes, unwelcome changes. In the midst of this, there's depression. Depression outside, depression inside. Just a little further away in, in downtown, there's Wall Street, where they are afraid of economic depression. And inside, within all of us, there comes these waves of mental depression. How do we overcome this? How can spiritual practice help us at this time? I'm going to speak of four practices, four great ways uh, in Vedanta which are useful for us, which are of great use to us, great protection to us at this time of crisis. 
what can these ways do for us? How exactly does spirituality help us at, at this time? Buddha speaks of the nature of suffering as a person who is hit by an arrow. Imagine the pain and the shock of being hit by an arrow. And immediately after that, this person, unfortunate person, is hit by a second arrow. Now, this first arrow is what the world throws at us. Coronavirus, pain, suffering, disease, disruption in life. And the second um, arrow is our reaction, our internal reaction to what is happening. There is depression, uh, there is uh, anxiety, uh, there is uh, uncertainty about the future. All of these internal reactions, this is the second arrow. Now the Buddha says, what spiritual practice can do is take care of this second arrow and alleviate and remove the suffering caused by this second arrow, our internal reaction. For the first arrow, of course we have to take all practical measures, follow all the instructions that are given to us uh, by doctors and by the public health authorities. That will mitigate the effect of the first arrow, which is the, the virus itself and the its effects on society and family and personal life. But the real suffering is the reaction that we have inside. There are these four practices to help us overcome that internal suffering. The first one, of course, is the path of knowledge, the path of jnana, of Advaita Vedanta, an inquiry into the self. Notice how to the same awareness there was normal life going along you're going to job taking care of the family and engaged in the normal um, expectations worries and happiness and joys and sorrows of day-to-day -day life and then suddenly everything changed i'm reminded of william butler yates beautiful poem on easter 1916 uh, we are again coming to Easter this year in April. But Easter in 1916, in the middle of the First World War, uh, Yeats wrote this poem, and where he says, Changed, utterly changed, all is changed. A terrible beauty is born. So this tremendous change suddenly came, and it came suddenly. Within a few uh, days, everything was turned topsy-turvy. Now I invite you to notice that this happened in front of, in our awareness, the same awareness which was aware of normal life is the same awareness which is aware of this uh, tremendously changed life. Is the awareness itself affected? This awareness which is not the body, not the mind, the body and the mind appear in this awareness which we are. This awareness which we are, is it affected by the virus? The virus affects the body, affects the functioning of the prana. Is it affected by depression or anxiety? Depression and anxiety come and go in the mind. Are we aware of a mind which was free of depression? Yes. Are we aware of the mind in which there is depression and anxiety? Yes. So that which comes and goes is not inextricably tied to 
I, the awareness, this consciousness. If it is not tied to consciousness, if consciousness is not um, bound to this anxiety, then consciousness is actually free of this anxiety. It is free of this depression. When there was no depression, the consciousness was illumining that, that frame of mind, that state of mind. When there is depression or anxiety, notice that the same consciousness is illumining the depressed, that cloudy mind. And again, when the depression and anxiety will go away, as it will in a few days, few weeks time, the consciousness will continue to illumine that. I am that consciousness. I am not that mind. This is very obvious. And this consciousness, according to Advaita Vedanta, is one in all beings. In the minds, shining in the minds of all beings, men and women, old and young, healthy and sick, the same consciousness shines unaffected. The sun shines unaffected by the clouds of various hues passing um, over it. The Ashtavakra says, Mayananta maham bodo Vishwapota itastata Brahmati swantavatena Namamastya sahishnuta I am an infinite ocean of consciousness. In this ocean, the world, our lives, they are like a little boat. Notice, I am the ocean and my life and this whole world is like a little boat in me. It's not that I am like a little spark in, in a vast and uncaring universe. Rather, the whole universe appears in consciousness. Now think of this consciousness as an unlimited ocean and this world as a little boat floating in this ocean. And it floats according to its own logic. Swantavatena. Propelled by causality, by karma. Sometimes it goes up. Things are very, very good, going well. Sometimes it goes down a little, things are not going so well, coronavirus. Namamastya What is the attitude of the ocean towards the boat which is sailing in such erratic ways? The ocean is patient. It is not impatient. Namamastya Ocean is not bothered by the movement of the boat. Even deeper. Vishwavichi Swabhavata Udetu Vastamayatu Name Vridhina Vakshati And the infinite ocean of consciousness. And in me, this world arises as a wave. Let the wave arise, let it subside. I neither gain nor lose anything. Notice that the wave is actually a part, an appearance in the ocean, whereas the boat is something different from the ocean. So we have gone to a deeper level where we realize this world of appearance, which is appearing in our consciousness, is actually not apart from consciousness. Think of it at three levels. The world appears to you, the awareness, or to consciousness. One, deeper level, the world appears in, in you, the consciousness. And third, the world is nothing but you, the consciousness. In I, the consciousness, the world appears, and this appearance is nothing apart from me, the, the ocean-like consciousness. When the wave arises, is the ocean increased thereby? No. 
The water belongs to the ocean. Nothing is added to it. When the wave form subsides back into the ocean, is the ocean decreased or diminished thereby? No, the same water remains. Similarly, let birth come, let death come, let health or sickness come, let riches come or poverty come, I, the consciousness in which, to which they appear, in which they appear, and which they are not different from, I am neither increased by their presence, nor decreased or diminished by their absence. Name vriddhi navakshati I am not increased nor diminished. Even deeper. Mai ananta maham bhodau vishvam nama vikalpana ati shanto nirakara eta devahamasthita Ashtavakra sings in me, the infinite ocean of awareness, the world is not even a wave, it's, a, it's imagination. It's, it's an appearance, it's imagination. Vishwam nama vikalpana. You see, the wave is actually, one can even think that something is happening. When the wave comes and the wave floats along and it subsides into the ocean, you think that something is going on. But when you say it's an appearance, imagine an ocean which is absolutely calm. There is no wave at all. A vast, limitless ocean of awareness. That is what we are. Formless. Consciousness in itself is formless. Though forms appear and disappear in it. And Ati Shanta. Forever at peace. Beyond the possibility of disturbance. This is how I persist from eternity to eternity. Actually it's poetic language to talk about eternity. Time and space are both Appearances in consciousness. So this is the tremendous vision of Advaita. And the beauty is, Advaita says it is true right now. It's always true. Somebody asked that uh, at this time, are you seriously expecting us to think about and practice Advaita Vedanta? Yes. Advaita Vedanta is not uh, uh, some intellectual game some clever philosophy that we indulge in once a week and everything when everything else is fine but then when things are disturbed and um, we are under stress and anxiety we will uh, it's we have no time for it no not at all that is the, this is the time for advaita when do you go to a fire do you go to a fire thinking let me first become warm then i'll go near a fire no it's only when you're cold that you really need the fire we need it when we are suffering, we are under stress and un under fear and anxiety, then this, this comes to our rescue. The old story about, I'm going to take a bath in the ocean, I'm going to swim in the ocean when the waves have subsided. That will never happen. This is the time for Advaita. I remember about 15 years ago in Himalayas, Gangotri, about 10,000 feet up, we used, used to go, I and other monks, we used to go to this old um, sadhu, Punjabi sadhu, who would teach Ashtavakra to the monks every day from about 3.30 to 4, I think, or 4 to 4.30. Uh, he would teach this Ashtavakra to us. And one day, he looked at us holding the book in his hand, he looked down, we were sitting at his feet, and then he said, sort of reflectively, 
ये सब महात्मा जी ये तो अस्त्र है ओ स्वामी दीज वर्सेस ऑफ द अष्टावक्र दीज आर वेपन्स हाथ में तलवार और दुश्मन से दो थप्पड़ खा के रोते रोते आगे क्या मजा है महात्मा जी यू आर आर्म विथ अ सोर्ड एंड द एनिमी कम्स एंड गिव्स यू अ कपल ऑफ स्लैप्स एंड यू कम बैक वीपिंग व्हाट्स द फन इन दैट यू आर आर्म्ड विथ विथ दिस नॉलेज विथ दिस ग्रेट इंसाइट इन टू आवर ओन सेल्फ द एनिमीज ऑफ अ फियर एंड एंगजाइटी एंड टेरर एंड डिप्रेशन they beat us up and we come back weeping and we are helpless no you are not helpless you are you are heavily armed against these uh, these enemies so these verses these ideas are our armor god is the greatest armor the greatest shield uh, against suffering of, uh, inflicted by the world gaudapada so today we are talking about high advaita ashtavakra and gaudapada Gaudapada, who wrote the famous commentary on the Mandukya Upanishad, the famous Mandukya Karika. Now, there's an interesting little detail which we often fail to notice. The Mandukya Upanishad, as we all know, is about looking at the three states of waking, dreaming, and deep sleep, and becoming aware that these three appear and disappear to one consciousness. this one consciousness is independent of and underlying these three states of waking deep dreaming and deep sleep so this one consciousness is called the fourth waking dreaming deep sleep and that one consciousness is figuratively called the fourth so this is the basic idea behind the mandukya upanishad so most of us we think of the mandukya upanishad as the classic text which which investigates into the three states of waking dreaming and deep sleep but that's not true actually Gaudapada, he says in the Mandukya Karika, there are only two states. We normally have only two states: dreaming and sleeping. Deep sleep is sleep, and both waking and dreaming. Gaudapada calls it dreaming. Waking is also a dream. Dream is also a dream. Then what is real waking? Real waking is becoming aware that I am that fourth, that consciousness. that underlying shining reality why does he call waking and dreaming both dream he says even the waking state if you if you examine it is very dream like something is appearing to consciousness and we are involved in that and that's common to both waking and dreaming in the waking state we see things we hear smell taste touch things and we it comes from an external world in contact with sense organs and so the consciousness is involved in this this is waking in dreaming the mind generates by itself all kinds of thoughts all kinds of imaginations and the consciousness is involved in that it seems to be engaged with that that is dreaming in both cases consciousness is engaged with appearances both are called dream because that which is false appears to consciousness that's the very definition of a dream and in deep sleep the appearances cease there's a blankness and that is deep sleep so for gaudapada the waking state is as much of a dream as the dream state now usually it's a bit little difficult to catch because we are we are so solidly convinced that the waking state is out there and real and the dreams are in our mind and unreal but 
it is at times like this that advaita vedanta invites us to take a look at what is happening many people are telling me that life has become surreal suddenly life around their own lives and the lives of people around them and around the world which is being brought to us by the media whole world has suddenly become strange and different and dream like so notice as long as this state lasts notice how strange life has become how dream like and unexpected and weird life is and after a few days because it's the very nature of um, human uh, of, of our uh, human constitution we adapt in a few days this state of lockdown will begin to seem more and more normal this will become the new normal for some time and then when you look back upon the life which disappeared couple of weeks ago our normal life of so many years and decades when you look back upon that that will seem dream like big crowds busy streets packed subway uh, you know under the ground in in manhattan um schools and colleges and lecture halls full of hundreds of thousands of people um, the broadway shows was that all real the restaurants all packed with people in the evening sidewalk walks crowded was that all real it seems so dream like none of that seems to be there now so the life which we left behind 2 weeks ago that very soon will seem dream like this seems dream like now when we get adapted to it within a few days or weeks it this will seem real and the life which we left behind will seem dream like again by the grace of god within a few weeks or months the old life will slowly come back to us things will become normal so called normal within quotes and then this period of the times of the corona virus this will seem dream like again that did this really happen did the world become so strange and difficult what i am driving at here is the point that gaudapada makes our so called waking life is how, is very dream like it's not very different from our experiences of dreams when we are experiencing it it seems very real when it fades away into memory and then we compare dreams and memories of waking memories of dreams and memories of waking they seem very similar to us but the consciousness to which they are appearing that consciousness is the reality what was real was that old life which which has changed was that real is this false or is this real and that that is was a dream gaudapada would say both are appearances our common sense approaches that's also real this is also real and then once the things become normalized we will again quickly forget and go on with our quotidian life our daily life and that's how samsara goes on but advaita says pause stop for a minute and notice how dream like these appearances are these appearances are dream like but that to which these appearances appear you the consciousness you are the reality so this is the first great practice the noticing the discernment the inquiry which leads us to the realization i am this infinite ocean of consciousness 
not affected by the even the greatest changes in external life in a personal life and even in internal mental life all of these storms come and go i am the infinite blue sky of consciousness infinite blue sky i'm talking poetically of course consciousness is colorless so this is the first great practice of tremendously useful most practical people would say it's theoretical it is most practical it gives peace and strength and joy immediately all um the fog of confusion of of anxiety is blown away immediately what pain what anxiety what confusion now the second practice just the opposite direction um swami turiyananda ji once says i am brahman vivekananda could say that it does not come so easily to us so i say not i but thou my lord thou my lord na ham tu hu tu hu this is the way of devotion there is a great power we cannot deny it we cannot deny it in this world suddenly see how this tiny little invisible thing has changed our lives across nations and continents in spite of all our power and riches and and technology dramatically changed our lives on lives almost overnight so this invisible little thing similarly spirituality devotion to god is another invisible thing even more powerful which can rescue us which can protect us at this point somebody may have asked the question but just a minute aren't these two separate different paths i am brahman and i am this little sentient being who worships brahman who worships god which one should i take aren't they contradictory they are actually not contradictory but even if they were so what one can actually hold on to both one can hold on to one or the either or both of them and swami vivekananda he said to an american woman here uh, he said madam always have two sides always keep these two sides knowledge and devotion after all why should it be contradictory these are two ways of getting at the same reality what is the way of knowledge which says i am brahman which realizes which notices that i am that unaffected infinite consciousness the other is the path of devotion i am this being this body mind and awareness all bundled up together and i recognize this vast presence this existence consciousness which is now god to me the creator preserver and destroyer of this universe there is this tremendous power there is this power according to whose will everything in this world goes on not even as sri ramakrishna would say not even a leaf can shake or tremble without the will of without the knowledge of god and this power is benevolent though we may not understand it though it may seem strange to us difficult to us ultimately this power is benevolent it is protective one great way of overcoming anxiety and depression and fear is to appeal to this power to pray and to love and to surrender to god one of the most beautiful 
sutras in the Narada Bhakti Sutra, which I like very much. It goes like this. Sarvada sarvabhavena nishchintitehi bhagavaneva bhajaniya. Sarvada, at all times. Sarvabhavena, in all ways. Nishchintitehi, free from anxiety and depression. What do you do? Bhagavaneva bhajaniya. Bhajaniya, fit to be worshipped, should be worshipped. Who? Bhagavan, the Lord, Eva, alone. So at all times, in all ways, free from anxiety and depression, worship the Lord, the Lord alone, God alone. Anxiety, chinta, the word uh, in Sanskrit, in Hindi and many Indian languages, it stands for worry and anxiety. There is an old verse which goes, Chinta chita samakhyata, chinta chita topiyadhika, chita nirjivam dahyati, jivitam tu, jivitam, chinta jivitam hi. What does it mean? The anxiety, anxiety is compared to the funeral pyre, that which burns up dead bodies. So anxiety is like that fire which burns up dead bodies. But anxiety is worse than that funeral fire. Why? But that funeral fire burns up only dead bodies. But anxiety burns up the living too. So being free from anxiety. Sarvada at all times. See, to think about God, we are always being told to think about God all the time. It's very difficult. It's almost, most of the time we are not thinking about God. So one way is to begin first. By limiting our thought. They say, Desha Kala Vastu. At Kala, at this time, for the next 15 minutes or the, for the next half an hour, I shall only think about God. Maybe I will repeat the mantra. Maybe I will pray to God. Maybe I will look at the picture or the icon of the Lord. And so I am binding my thinking in this time. For starting here, Ending here. At least this much. If I cannot think about God all the time, let me think about God. Let me make an intention, self-aware, that at this time I shall think about God and nothing else. Other thoughts will keep coming in. All right. But I am aware. I have made the intention that at this time I will think only about God. So I push out all those other thoughts. At this place, Desha. So when I am in this corner of my room where I worship the Lord, here I will not think about anything else other than God. When I am in the temple or church or mosque, I will think only about the Lord and nothing else. I make up my mind. Not even about coronavirus. So I will think only about the Lord. You see, the problem is, the way the media and the internet, which are tremendously useful at this time, but they are bombarding us with news and it's a depressing kind of news. And what Narada is telling us to do just the opposite. Bombard yourself with thoughts of God, with, with love and devotion and surrender to the Lord. At, at least, if not always, if not everywhere, then sometime in some place. Vastu. So, I, at this time and this place, I will think about only my Lord in this form, in the form of Krishna or Rama or Ramakrishna, in this picture, on this image or in this... Uh, in, in the space of my heart. So tie the mind by time and space and object and use these. Neither time nor space nor object are God, but these can be used. 
the mind cannot think without time space and object so it must use time space and object to think about god sarva bhaveda in all ways whichever way appeals to you as shiva as kali as durga as rama or krishna or ramakrishna or jesus or in whichever way as allah or father in heaven whichever way appeals to you whichever is our own tradition we can we can think about god in those ways sarva bhavena but also apart apart from this theological approach in god the lord is immanent in all beings so in the father and the mother in the husband wife and child in your colleagues in people around you the lord is present in all of them in fact it is the lord alone who appears not imagination that is the truth when we think about people as flesh and blood when we think about people as persons this is actually imagination this is our error it is the divinity alone which is appearing as a person and in that body of flesh and blood and one thing i keep hearing especially in, in a place like the united states and especially in here in manhattan which is very busy and crowded and small apartments multiple times i heard over the last few days that um, you people are telling us swami you say that this is the time to you know get used to being alone and withdraw inside and find peace what peace rather i am there are so many people in the apartment we are never used to staying with so many people everybody had his or her routine husband wife children so each had their own place of work or study and they would meet only for a short while every day but now everybody is crowded the schools and colleges are closed and in little apartments people are crowded i'm i was hearing about different so people who have to take care of others five or six people in a tiny apartment and on top of that there is the dog also now instead of treating this as an imposition this is an opportunity to serve the lord sarva bhavena in all these ways by your cooking for them your doing the laundry for them or um, just the education of the children somebody was saying that now i have to homeschool my 10 year old and i've forgotten how to do fractions so it's not working too well so these are the different opportunities to serve the lord in all the members if you cannot do it on a wider scale like our health workers are doing so doctors and nurses are now soldiers in this war against the virus but if not all of us are going to be soldiers in the war but those who who are in any capacity wherever you are even a few words of encouragement even online Um, whether you are chatting with somebody speaking with somebody a few words of encouragement positivity a smile just as the virus is infectious a positive attitude is also infectious this is what you can do it's a great service sarva bhavena worship the lord immanent in all beings there is this is this is the second great practice that we can do the third one is something that we learn from patanjali the great master of meditation he tells us 
This control of the mind, we, con- we consider it very difficult. Meditation, we con- consider it very difficult because the mind is difficult to control. Um, we want to think about God, but all sorts of other thoughts crowd in. And how can we continuously think about God for one hour, more than that, all the time? It seems very difficult. Patanjali tells us, no, actually there is a secret to controlling the mind. The secret is this. The nature of the mind is such that it can only think of one thing at a time. At every instant there is one vritti, one movement of the mind, one thought or feeling or perception, idea, memory. But only one instant, one only is possible. Now for deep meditation, for prayer, for being centered in God, all that we need to do is take care of that one instant and one thought. And then the next instant and the thought corresponding to that. So, the great insight is focus one thing at a time. It's a cliche almost, a slogan, one thing at a time. But it's a deep secret. It's a very, very powerful key to our psyche. You don't have to worry about the world. You don't have to worry about what's going on in the family or everywhere else at all the time. At this moment, Only one thing calls your attention and just take care of that. One thing at a time, one vritti at a time, whatever is arising, point that towards God. I like the serenity prayer very much. Some of you know the serenity prayer that, O Lord, give me the courage to change the things that I can change, the patience to bear the things that I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference. A very beautiful prayer. This actually removes a lot of uh, tension and anxiety and depression. Courage to change the things that I can change. The patience, the patience to bear the things that I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference. So, at every moment, one thought is appearing. Let us also think. Which thought is more important, is more pleasant, more ennobling, more sublime than the thought of God? For those of you who are initiated into a mantra, think about it. Mantra, one thought, the one mantra or repetition of the mantra. Compared to that, which other thought is more important? Something may be urgent, you may have to do it. But otherwise, this general worry, this general anxiety feeling of helplessness and anxiety about the future, what good does it do? Patiently bear the things that we cannot change. And then use the power of thought to think about God, to repeat the mantra. When we think about it, no thought in the world is actually more important than the thought of God. And the mind tricks us into being continuously engaged with the world and fruitlessly so. Increasing our unhappiness and we spread that unhappiness around. Rather, moment to moment, that one vritti, when it arises, direct it to God. Next moment, another thought arises, make sure it is about God. It could be the mantra, it could be a prayer, it could be a bhajan, it could be reading about the Lord or the saints, those who are enlightened beings, whatever. Anything that keeps the mind engaged with God. Sarva Bhavain also means in all ways. It need not always be meditation. It need not always be prayer. 
it need not uh, always be say singing about the lord a combination of these things as it appeals to you but keep the mind the vritti as it arises from moment to moment engaged with the lord there will be no space for anxiety the beauty of the mind is it takes on the color of sri ramakrishna's beautiful story about um, what a person who was dyeing cloth in different colors so you bring some some cloth to him he will put it in a he say which color do you want um, red and put it in a bucket the cloth will come out red so which color do you want blue and he puts it in another bucket and the cloth comes out blue so whichever color you dip the cloth of the mind in the mind takes that color after some time the mind begins to repeat the name of the lord um, automatically and finds joy in it one thing at a time that's the great lesson we learn from patanjali yoga and the fourth great practice that we can do is one way of overcoming fear and anxiety is to be concerned about the welfare of others swami ranganathananda ji i really liked this saying of his he was the 13th president of our order he would say what is spirituality when i close my eyes i find peace within when i open my eyes my attitude is what can i do for you if we can honestly hold on to that attitude inwards god and peace or aham brahmasmi whichever you like and when we are engaged with the world my only motive is can i be of service to your family to the community to the colleagues at work can i be of service definitely one will get peace definitely one will get joy anxiety and fear and depression will never come near us so to overcome the effects of the second arrow first arrow of course we must take care of by all practical measures this the real suffering comes from the second arrow and to overcome the effects of the second arrow these are the four great practices one aham brahmasmi two my lord not i but thou remember sarvada sarvabhavena nischintitehi bhagavan eva bhajaniya three one thing at a time focus four others the welfare of others over mine these four great practices if we keep our mind to them they will definitely ennoble us make our minds full of light and joy most of all we take refuge at the feet of the lord we understand that everything in this universe moves by the will of a great power by the will of ishwara so i pray to Sri Ramakrishna Holy Mother Ma Sharada Swami Vivekananda may they bless us oh divine mother we are thy children please bless us in this time of crisis please protect us ever and ever our communities families our nations protect us bless us day in and day out may thy gracious face be ever turned towards us om shanti 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 
हरि ओम तत्सत श्री राम कृष्णार्पणमस्तु